everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 109th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week we have Joey Zanaboni, play-by-play announcer for the Fredericksburg Nationals, single-A affiliate of the Washington Nationals. You may have heard of Joey because he has gone viral several times with his um, new broadcasting style, so uh, this should be a great episode. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to all the older ones. Uh, There's something back there for everyone, I promise. Uh, I think we've interviewed... You know, pretty much every position in minor league baseball. Um, always looking for new guests. Um, the easiest way to to you know get booked on the show would be uh, go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast at Pulling Tarp Pod. Uh, again, that's the easiest way to reach out to become a guest. Um, that's where businesses can reach out as well. If uh, any of them are looking to for a unique sponsorship opportunity. Um, and if you really want to, you can follow me personally on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Uh, would love to give more shout-outs here soon, everybody. Um, easiest way to do that, drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps drive us up the charts a little bit, m- turns more people into listeners, and, uh, yeah, it just really helps out the business end of things. And uh, if you do so, I will shout you out here on the podcast and on Twitter. So uh, go ahead and do that for me. Um, we we have merchandise. Uh, not a lot, but just a little bit uh, to get your beaks wet there. Uh, you can now get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. Um, the easiest way to find that would be uh, the link tree in our bio on Twitter. Or you can go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. With all of that being said, let's chat with Joey Zanaboni. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous.
Joey, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, you just rolled into my old stomping grounds in Delmarva. How's the season going so far, man? It's good. Coming in live tonight from an undisclosed chain hotel in Delmarva Peninsula, the tri-state peninsula that we love the most. Yes, yes. Um, you, so you'll see uh, Sam Jelinek tomorrow, the the uh, broadcaster for the Delmarva Shorebirds. Uh, go easy on him. Uh, n- number one, he's having a rough season. Not him personally, but <laughs> the, the, the team is having a rough season. And um, I just saw Sam, what was that, last, when, last Tuesday night um, when the Sixers got beat by like 35. Yeah. Um, so Sam, Sam and I are both big 76ers fans. So we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and, and saw the game there and it was not great. Um, so we're, we're hurting pretty bad. Um, <laughs> well, I will. It teaches you a lot when the team loses. Now I'm not going to say, I wish I was in Sam's shoes, but that's one thing I've learned about broadcast is you do learn more from the games that you lose. Yeah. You probably end up growing more in those seasons than when the team wins. Now, God bless him for it. He's doing it, so I don't have to this year. <laughs> but it'll yeah. be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me ask you, how do you think your announcing style is different from other play-by-play broadcasters? Just listen and find out. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're... I don't think that when I, this is the crazy part is the honest God truth, though. I don't really think I'm doing anything any different than anybody else okay. as far as I know. As far as what my ACE research team has told me, I'm not doing anything different than anybody else. It's got a lot of zest in the vegetables, though. Yeah. If you like it zesty, then <laughs> you come to the right place. Yeah. Speaking of zesty, you've you've made headlines and gone viral a few times so far with with quotes such as, Cleaner than a Lysol brand OnlyFans account. Um, another one is yanked out of there like a shirtless passenger on a Spirit Airlines flight. And uh, give Soldier Boy a mechanical pencil sharpener. Let's get cranked. That that one might be my favorite one. Um, did you know what kind of attention you were going to get from the likes of Jared Carabas, John Boy Media... Barstool Sports, The Washington Post, and now the Pulling Tart Podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I did not. I mean, it's been magical this season. There's been something in the finger of fate we think that's touched this team here in Fredericksburg and all the people like me get a get a hold on to it. It's uh, something special, and there's no doubt that I've been surprised by it. I would say that I've gotten some, uh, you know, bites before and some people have shown some interest in my work and so on i just think the world is really ready to feel joy above all else and that's always been my driving motto from the great poet the greatest american poet probably walt whitman do anything but let it produce joy and as tough as the last couple of seasons have been for baseball i think the fan base the populace really though the ordinary citizenry who have falling out of touch with baseball I think they're ready to fall in love with the joy of it again and the mass appeal some of the pop culture references and things like that in the calls it's welcoming to those fans in a time where I think that uh, sports broadcasting sports media has become a little bit arcane and a little bit uh, 
inside baseball. Okay, okay, I dig it, I dig it. Um, do you think the the team is getting jealous of how many media requests you have gotten compared to them? <laughs> <laughs> No, but they're jealous that I have my own room here at the undisclosed chain motel location in beautiful Del Mar. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Um, how do you think your style will change broadcasting in the future? Uh, I've, I've impacted more lives through my work as a teacher. I work as a teacher right. in the winter. And... I would like to think that the lessons that I've taught those kids in classrooms over the last few years will have a, a much larger impact than anything that I'm doing as sports announcing. I will say, drawing on that experience, the viewpoint of the coming generation, Gen Z and beyond that, is more fragmented than what I grew up with. They understand the world through the shards that they see on the internet mm-hmm. and finding a way to package long-form traditions in ways that can catch your attention is a tricky subject for people who are uh, even not too old like me. Now I'm 47 years old. I'm one of the five oldest broadcasters in Carolina League. I'm 47 years old, but people far younger than me, they have trouble figuring out what's going to appeal to these kids. And uh, for whatever reason, they hear me and uh, I guess identify with it. But that's something that I, I try from the start to uh, never lose that childlike voice and that childlike joy for the game because they'll always yeah. forget what you said. But once you hear that, I don't think it ever gets away. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, so far in your career, what's the most memorable call that you've had? The most memorable call? Racing World? Anything I did out of the dog track. I was at the Pensacola Greyhound yeah. Racing Track in Poker Room Spring of 2018. Couldn't share any clips because it's all copyright, closed circuit throughout the Florida casino systems back when it was still legal. Okay. Um, if there's anything, even a clip that survives, I'd have to save my time for the dog track. But <laughs> the one that probably means the most to me, most memorable call baseball-wise, well, there's really only one answer. It comes from right around this time. I think about it every year, May 17th, 2016. It was the first game I ever did with the Texas Airhawks independent team in the greater Dallas area. And each pitcher was supposed to go two innings, and there's two strikes, two outs, and the top half of the second, the starter, Derek Callahan from Gonzaga, played with the Yankees organization for a few years. He threw a fastball, and the guy hammered it up the middle, and it smacked him right over the eye, and he went down on the turf and basically blacked out on the turf. And okay. before the game, I had been going through our Mixler app, which is uh, you know streaming, mm-hmm. and I looked at how many people were listening. It was like 46 people. So I kind of was like, at that time, I was kind of like disappointed. But you can also look at usernames, and I saw that there was a username named P. Callahan listening that night before the game okay and so when their son got hit i realized right off the bat i could be narrating the end of their son's life mm-hmm. and it was that serious coming into his face it sounded the same as going off the bat and he was down on the turf for more than a half hour oh, but finally after this long frightening journey 
he was able to stand up on his own two feet and walk off the field under his own power. And I, I breathed a sigh of relief. And I just said, it's going to be all right, which was basically code for he's not going to die here on the field tonight. Right. And two and a half months later, we were 20 games out of the divisional race. Mm-hmm. And we had just had this crazy season, all these travel misadventures and all this stuff. And he got two surgeries, put a plate in his forehead, got on the bus in late July in Dallas, and we drove to Joplin, Missouri. And on the pregame show, his mom, he said his mom really appreciated the announcing that night. Okay. And I teared up. I teared up after that game where he got hit. And yeah. I teared up on the pregame show. And then I teared up when he came out of the bullpen, three and a third, set aside 10 straight, five punchings. Wow. And it was the greatest. It was still the greatest thing I've ever seen on a baseball field to see somebody who, for no reason, from a competition standpoint, we weren't going to make the playoffs. We were 50 miles from the playoffs. Right. He came back to prove it to himself and it proved himself that he could do it. And he was still pretty effective as a pitcher. He pitched the rest of the season. There was another 30 games left in the season. Okay. 30, 35 games. But his arm went where, you know, he just hadn't thrown enough, you know, over the course of the summer. That Derek Callahan, that would be the most memorable call for me. Okay. Okay. And I can, I can see why. Wow. That, yeah, not, you know, anything like, glamorous obviously but um but yeah that's a definitely an important call for sure yeah it's, it's the ones that people never hear that end up meaning the most to you i mean i've had calls you know a lot of people have heard but right it's ones that it's the ones that almost nobody hears that you carry with you yeah yeah for sure man um what has been the most other duties as a sign moment in your minor league career uh, a podcast guest, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had to go on any trash runs or anything. Yeah, I take out the trash. I take out the trash. Uh, probably, probably once or twice a week in the press box. Yeah, we'll let it film for a couple of days. We have a jumbo trash, so I'll take it out. You know, once or twice, maybe a home stand. It does reset you, just like pulling the tarp does. Yeah. But to me, pulling the tarp, you know, it's all about running. I love to run. And usually when we do that tarp, you have to really get down there and sprint. Mm-hmm. I think those games end up being higher energy because you really kind of get the lactic acid going Yeah, a little bit uh, on the push and then the pull. Okay. D- speaking of tarp, this is the Pulling Tarp podcast. Do you have any, like, wild tarp stories? Uh, the first game I ever did in Johnson City, it was a turf infield with a, a natural outfield. And okay. It wasn't really a park for the outfield. It was just a drainage system. So I ended up, <laughs> it was pouring down rain. I was squeegeeing off the outfield out there because they didn't target it. It didn't have to pull it over the infield. It was all artificial. Right. I was just squeegeeing while I was like ankle deep in water, just pushing a drain. It's like a complete boat. And it just it went into a postponement and they it went into a pause and they postponed it to the next day. We played a doubleheader the next day. 
<laughs> we were about to play the third game of the series against the Classic Yankees. They actually ended up they postponed to the series later season because we got hit by Rand again. But you know, my big thing, man, one of my big quotes here in the last couple of years has been when the gods delay, they do not deny. We ignorant of ourselves beg off in our own harms. So wise powers deny us for our good. So find we profit by losing of our prayers. It's from Shakespeare, Antony and Cleopatra. Okay. Yeah, you know, it just says when, you know, when it seems like you're not getting, sometimes it's good to not get what you want at that moment. Yeah. It pays off late. So I guess that's my thing with the tarp. Okay. All right. So what is the weirdest comment or message you've received while running a team's social media accounts? Well, I don't know about the team social media account. I'll say for myself personally, probably all the people on the viral videos who say this guy's on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, there's always a guy who says, hey, this guy's on cocaine. And, uh, uh, that makes me laugh. Now, I drink a lot of coffee. Maybe I'm drinking a cocaine level of coffee, but uh, I would never... I would never dance with the devil's dust. So that one makes me laugh the most. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, man. Um, So you you travel a lot with the team, obviously. Mm -hmm. What place has the best concessions item, and what was it? For me, it has to be Texas Airhawks Stadium and beautiful Grand Prairie. When I was there my last year, the team partnered with a Chinese steel conglomerate called Beijing Shogun Steel. Okay. Yeah. The roster became about two-thirds players from the Chinese oh. Baseball World Cup and, and World Classic. And, really? Uh, uh, all this stuff. and. Uh, they would have a buffet in the left field. There was a restaurant out there that kind of just became like a private club. And they would have a buffet. And it was legitimate. It was authentic Chinese food. And it was mm. unbelievable. And by the end of the year, some of the coaches from China told me the players didn't, you know, to them, that was old news. They wanted right. like pizza, buffalo, wild wings, and all that stuff. Sure. And I go to I mean I would go to town on that stuff. Cayenne pepper, man, and I was I was feeling it every second. It was uh, yeah, it was just delicious. And it was after every home game, and it was kind of cool because it was the players and the staff from America, the players and coaches from China. It was the other team yeah. players and staff would come in, and everybody would just kind of hang out after the game. And it was. It was kind of special, man. It, I was with the team for that one year, and I, I ended up going to Johnson City the next year. But the the partnership continued for that next season, okay. the twenty nineteen season. It was uh, it was special. That's a- Beijing Shogun, the Texas Air Hogs powered by huh. Beijing Shogun Eagles. I'm sorry. Okay. Official name. All right, that's interesting. I've heard from like other indie ball, you know, coaches and and mm-hmm. and stuff like that that a lot of indie ball teams won't get, um, like, international players um, just because, I guess, it, like, it costs too much for their visas and stuff like that. I don't know, but 
That's that's interesting. In 2021, yeah, in 2021, I'm sure it's worse than 2020. In 2021, it was uh, very, very difficult to recruit players from countries that often will have many players on independent teams, in my experience. And, sure. uh, yeah, it's just that the visa process has kind of hamstrung that. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know what it takes to fix that, but it's got to be fixed because it's a great a great international connection that you know is shared is that ability to go places and play baseball so i i hope it gets fixed soon it was a little bit different you know when i was at american association 2016-18 the level of play was probably better by about five to ten percent than what they have now now the top teams kansas city won it mm-hmm. i mean they were stocked with ex-major league talent yeah and rising major league talent as well and uh, you know, but the rest of the league was uh, was probably a little bit down. Just the pitching, there wasn't as much uh, just dependable relief pitching and dependable starting pitching as as there had been, you know, when I've been there in the past. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you think the pitch clock has affected you this season? How how has it affected me? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you, first night they forced it. I just thought I had the count wrong. I kept saying you know, they punch a guy. I said, man, I guess I had the count wrong. He's out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, and you know um, play-by-play announcers have struggled with that. You know, they they just it's they just got to get used to a lot of it. I just think it's it's hard being so unnatural to think about. There's you know a time where a person can can throw the ball or has to throw the ball, and you know it's just part of it. But I tell you, man, it's one thing I learned in this business is. You know, humility. You can't sit around, you know, saying, "Oh man, this is all the stuff that I'm doing wrong." Because if you right. start doing that, you're going to spend six hours a day sitting around thinking about what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is, here's what I'm doing right. Here's what I do well. How can I cater to this? How can I cater to that? Now I, you know, I'm trying to improve in other areas as well. But you got to have a positive mindset in this business, or you you probably won't do anything. You know, I mean, that's just what happens. It's not that sports broadcasters or baseball broadcasters, minor league baseball broadcasters, not, you know, nothing happens. They don't get fired or anything like that. They mm-hmm. just, they don't want to do it anymore. But it's, it gets, it gets down to what your mental sort of state is. And, you know, it's, that's been a big thing for me. Like I said, the last couple of years out of the pandemic, it's just taking that positive approach to whatever comes up. I don't look at things as, you know, obstacles and look at its opportunities i look at you know delay but not deny kind of things okay okay um and you again you travel with the team a lot what's the best promotion that you've seen in your travels shooter mcgavin at that ballpark in kansas city okay he did he did a bunch of them but uh honestly that was the best one i heard of i didn't even see it now the best one in terms of, the best one in terms of that I've actually seen in the same way would be uh, Larry the Cable Guy in Lincoln, Nebraska, with the Air Hogs, the Texas Airs powered by Beijing Shogun Eagles in uh, late August. It was our last road trip, second to last road series, and I had a chance to do a half inning with Larry on the radio oh, as well. Cool. Actually, a little more than that. Yeah, I got him to laugh too. You know what I told him to make him laugh? What? <laughs> Well, I'm going to do it. I just, I didn't even know he's going to be at a ballpark. He's going to tell you how observant I am. Apparently, they've been screaming all series over the PA, you know, Larry the Cable Guy is coming, you know. 
And I had no idea he was going to show up until about an hour before the game. And okay. so I, <laughs> I slipped for us and said, hey, you can go over and do it. He came in one out of the top heavy. He had a cutoff shirt on. He had the tiniest Dasani bottle you ever Biggest chaw you ever see coming down into the sunny bottle. <laughs> and I'm laughing. And he throws a headset on, and he's just like the most gregarious, magnanimous guy. Really, really funny. And I tickled his ribs a couple of times. And I said, Hey, Larry, why don't you stick around here for the bottom half of the eighth? And he's like, All right, you know. And so I just said, I'm just going to make this guy laugh. We were down 13 5 at the time. So the game is, I don't even care about the game yet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> So I say, we say, he started talking about rock and roll and some about traveling around to see some bands or something. And I said, you know, Larry, I used to be in a band. He goes, oh, yeah, what were you called? And I go, the eight-legged centipede. And he goes, why were you called that? And I said, oh, yeah, originally it was four guys and uh, we had eight legs. And then we had the keyboard player. So it was ten legs. But we fixed that. Every show, one of us would roll out the wheelchair. And he just starts cracking up. <laughs> 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 that's pretty funny that's good that's good uh, yeah it was it was it was just a cool thing he did a lot of stuff he coached first base they wore special Larry the cable guy oh. jerseys but it just was like you know his presence just how gregarious he was with yeah. the fans and how much fun he had with the fans I would say that was the best one I saw on the road okay yeah, that's that's uh, one of the differences between indie ball and affiliated ball. That's for sure. Affiliated ball would never yeah, be able to get away with that. But wouldn't get away with what? The the jerseys and having him coach first base. Oh yeah, I don't know about. I mean, jerseys maybe. Yeah, jerseys maybe. Maybe they wouldn't let him do. Uh, they wouldn't let him coach at first base. If nothing else, just because of insurance. Right. Right. If you somebody stings a line drive the Larry the Cable Guy's skull, that'd be bad. You're on the hook. You're bankrupt, baby. You'd be yep. paying that out forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, that's the skull that's voiced three Pixar movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is true. This is true. Long, long live Mater. Um. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. So, what's the best story that you can tell from traveling with the team? I know, I know there's probably quite a few that you can't tell, but I have to say, at the end of that season, the same season where Derek got hit in the face of the ball, the last series we played at the old stadium in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the team had half its home games in Grand Prairie, so 25 games there. 
25 games at Potter County Memorial Stadium, which is an 80-year-old stadium in Amarillo, and then 50 games on the road. So we were like a road team the whole year. Okay. And it was because the guy, same guy owned a team in Amarillo and Grand Prairie, and he just decided to make it into one for some reason. Oh, okay. And so we spent the whole year on the bus, and it just was, a, you know, it was nuts. There's this guy named Brian Bestain. He's a second baseman. And he had his pit bull, Banks, three-year-old pit bull, yeah, we left Grand Prairie. There's still 19 games to go in the season, so we're just going to be in Amarillo and elsewhere. And so he would kennel the dog Grand Prairie until the last trip, and he just decided to bring it on the last year. So we spent 19 days with this uh, pit bull bags, and by that time we had a sleeper bus. It was yeah, bunk stacked three high. But there weren't that many of it. There's always be three people in the in the aisle, including me. I felt like as the broadcaster, I had to be the guy. You know, hey, I got this five dollar Walmart bat here. I can curl up on. Yeah. But the dog, I mean, the dog would just he would stay in a locker room uh, <laughs> during the game, and then if we were going to the next city, he would kind of chase that out there by the bus and say, you know, do your business, banks. Basically, take your shit. Yeah. And uh, the dog would come back on the bus and it would just drag its ass all over my bat and i would be <laughs> tapping it on the shoulder because i was afraid to send it off i'm still a little bit hey maybe that's just me being mr limited but i'm a little bit scared of pit bulls yeah and i'd be, I'd be like excuse me sir would you get off the mat this <laughs> <laughs> thing would call it and it would go and could actually sleep in the bunk with that and so the day so our last place we went was laredo and we got rained out but they didn't call the game to like nine or nine thirty at night. And then we drove, it's about a 10 hour drive from Laredo to Amarillo. Mm-hmm. And we got there basically like at like nine o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock. Like that team, they always kept all the windows, all the, all the blinds <laughs> shut up. So everybody's stepping off, shielding their eyes. And that stadium in Amarillo was a wreck. I mean, it was, it was, man, it was worse than that stadium than Brockmire. And every time there'd be a modern <laughs> rain shower, basically they didn't even have a tarp. They didn't have a tarp, didn't have a system to even keep it dry. Yeah. And basically every time it showered, you'd, you'd have a rain out. So we had like 15 double headers. And as soon as we walked off the field, you know, I walked out of the bus, we said, it's going to be a double header tomorrow because there's all these puddles. There's a leg out the bullpen, all that stuff. And everybody's kind of groaning about it, laughing about it. And then all of a sudden, you look back, and Banks, the pit bull, is just dancing off the bus. It wades through every single person, goes right to third base, squats down, and takes a dump, and everybody <laughs> breaks out the applause. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And the, and the next day, we split a doubleheader against Sioux City, which is a really good team that made the playoffs that year, one of the best teams. Yeah. I always felt like that was Banks. That was the Banks uh, feces game that yeah. kind of got it for us. That's that's what he thought about the rain. All right, yeah, all right. That's that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> oh man, I've never heard of a player bringing his dog on the road before. That's awesome. Well, yeah, Brian was a uh, he played the independent baseball for a long time. He played independent baseball for probably close to ten years. Yeah, and he was in his early thirties, and I think he just kind of felt like this was the last. Go around. I don't think he played again after that year, so I think he just kind of felt like yeah, it's the last time. But you know, you're paying ranks, man. 
stuff like that happening, it just keeps it interesting, keeps it fun. For sure. I've been unbelievably fortunate. I've said it many times. And believe it or not, I'm unbelievably fortunate to have the luckiest person in minor league baseball to be in Fredericksburg because it's a great, you know, organization. Yeah. All that being said, you know, I really consider myself to be an independent baseball player. So I've done six of my eight years in indie ball. And sure. It's just, it's not understood except up close. But if you take the ride with them, you really get to know more about people probably than you do in affiliate ball. Now I'm just basing this off, you know, really the experience in Johnson city, but I do think people in affiliate ball tend to be a little bit more buttoned up because it is corporate. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to kind of be with the MLB or maybe go to the MLB and right. Uh, um, you know, in the independent ranks, it just is, just smaller organizations they do the same thing right you know but it's like instead of having 20 people in the office you have like six to eight people in the office yeah hey i worked in an affiliated baseball where we only had four people in the office so yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah no doubt no yeah. doubt yeah um so <laughs> i tweeted out from from the podcast twitter account you know drop us any mm-hmm. questions um and this might be a first. I think we got spammed, dude. We yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I saw um, Tomaj Dej asks, "Yo, interesting. What do you think of Digital Fever IO team? Just need to know what do you think about it? Their token slash NFT marketing before I contact them. Thanks. So, um, yeah, that's a first. Dude, I, I don't do crypto because be. By the time that you hear about it, it's already done. Oh, yeah. So Me that's too. my yeah. response to you is, hey, best of luck with the coin. Yeah. But at this point, you know, if I want to throw away money, I'll spend it on toilet paper. I probably have not used toilet paper in five years, and I, I don't plan to stop that. <laughs> I had a ask the book question? I had a roommate. I had a roommate like that. He never bought toilet paper. <laughs> like, well, I don't. I don't use toilet paper, dude. I use flushable wipes, and it oh. will change your life. I guarantee you. You think it's just a minimal change? Once you go down that okay. path, you will find that your life does change. That's that's what I want to leave your listeners with out there in podcast land tonight. All right, all right. I'll have to give that a shot. But yeah, Tomas <laughs> Tomas Dej Tomas Dej uh, has one follower. So um, so that was a real question for sure. Um, but, uh, Joey, where can the listeners find you on social media? At Joey underscore Xana. Four letters on each side of that underscore. There's nobody else named Joey Zanaboni that I know of who's made an OnlyFans reference on a minor league baseball broadcast this year. So (laughs) I should be pretty easy to track down. Uh, hashtag LCRR is on most of my content and you know what follow it don't follow it at the end of the day it's out there folks (laughs) (laughs) well I can certainly appreciate it Um, you know your new your new style of first of all play-by-play broadcasting is an art in itself that i've always admired um but Mm -hmm. the way you make it relative um to today is awesome Mm -hmm. and um 
so like I just shared it on my Instagram because somebody tagged me and they're like, "Hey, Bobby, check this guy out." And they they know I used to work in minor league baseball and have the podcast and and I said, "I gotta know who this guy is." And you responded, you you uh, DM me, and then um, you were game to come on the podcast. So I appreciate that and how accessible you are. Um, oh yeah, well. I'm not really as busy as people think. I'll leave you on that. (laughs) (laughs) And probably so, dude. I make a lot of time to live life and try to connect with people. And my big motto for this year has been when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm thirsty, I drink. comes from a Zen story. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. There's a guy named Benkai. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And, uh, He's giving a lecture. He's a Zen master. And he's giving a lecture and this guy shows up and he says, Hey, my master can stand on one side of a river and across the river onto a piece of parchment all the way across the water can make a symbol of love appear. Okay. And the master says, that's a clever trick that your fox does, but it's not the way of Zen. My miracle is when I'm hungry, I eat. And when I'm thirsty, I drink. Okay. All right. That's deep. It's deep. Right. But at the same time, it really isn't. That's why I mean this Buffalo yeah. Wild Ring. Yeah. I literally had delivered to my door. <laughs> As we started this podcast. Yeah. Well, I know you were late to getting into Delmarva, so I appreciate you hopping on and, and eating, you know, while we do this. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate that. Um, so I always end the podcast with the same question. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good uh, walk-up song. You know, I being, mm-hmm. being the old... MILB media guy that I was. What has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it? Yeah, a guy I went to high school with. I can't remember his name. It was an all-boys high school. His walk-up music was If I Were a Boy by Beyonce. (laughs) Okay. It always made me laugh. You kind of had to know. I guess that it was an all-boys high school, but in a weird way, it was actually asking kind of a deep question, and it gave us time to uh, time to think. I would say if I had to pick a walk-up song, I, I'd probably say Love You Out Loud by Rascal Flatts. That's been a big song for me listening to it this year. I'm big into just making playlists for parts of the season or weeks mm-hmm. of the season. Love You Out Loud by Rascal Flatts has been a huge huge influence uh i want to sing it on the radio and on the video now baby i need to know you know i need it i need to yell it out loud i want to love you out loud and i just heard something about that so it would kind of be my music or maybe the law and order theme song <laughs> if uh if that wasn't available Ooh, that's good that's good all right um we'll close out with if i was a boy We'll, we'll ride out to that song. 
Uh, Joey, thank you so much for coming on the Pulling Tart podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll uh, I'll shoot you a message if I can stop by uh, sometime this weekend in Delmarva. Absolutely, would love to share a cup of complimentary coffee or tea with you at this undisclosed chain motel location here on the Delmarva Peninsula. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, you take <laughs> care. Thanks a lot, man. And chase after girls I kick it with who I wanted And I never get confronted for it Cause they stick up for me If I were a boy I think I could understand How it feels to You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast.